0: Hello, and welcome to PW Kids Cast, the children's book podcast from Publishers Weekly. In each episode, we speak with authors and illustrators creating books for children and teens. I'm John Sellers, the children's reviews editor at Publishers Weekly. Today, I'm speaking with writer, director, and producer Chris Weitz, whose film credits include Twilight New Moon, The Golden Compass, About a Boy, and American Pie. Now, Weitz is turned into the world of fiction with his first novel for teens, The Young World. First in a planned trilogy, the book is being published in late July by Little Brown, which is sponsoring this podcast. To mix a couple pop culture references, in the young world, it's the end of the world as we know it, but the kids are all right, mostly. A mysterious illness has killed adults in the very young. Teenagers are the only survivors. In New York City, ragged communities of teens struggle to survive while fending off attacks from well-armed neighboring tribes. At an enclave in Washington Square Park, a small group of teens ventures out into the city in a desperate attempt to try to figure out exactly what happened and maybe even save the world. Thanks for speaking with me, Chris. Thank you for having me. So several of the movies uh, that you've directed or produced, Twilight New Moon, The Golden Compass, uh, Nick and Nora, uh, have connections to the children's book world and young adult literature. Uh, When you came up with the idea for this project, did you know it was going to be or involve YA?
1: I did. Uh, I mean, after I uh, directed New Moon, which uh, was from a rather popular series, um, I was sent all kinds of uh, YA novels. And rightly or wrongly, I started to feel like I had a, I started to get a the hang of it. And also having done Golden Compass, which I suppose you would call, if anything, if you're going to categorize it a, a young adult uh, novel, even though I think it's kind of universal, I felt like I had a bit of a handle on both on the audience and on what makes this particular genre of, of fiction really interesting to me, w- which I think is to say that it has, it's not overly concerned with style. And it's a, a great deal about content. And I think that in the YA genre, a lot of interesting books are being written that wouldn't be written in the field of you know, what I guess we like to call uh, serious literature or what, what have you. Although I don't, I don't think those things are mutually exclusive.
0: Mm-hmm. And now I think that uh, Warner Brothers has picked this up for a film. But did you start with a book? Did you know you wanted to start with a novel?
1: I knew I wanted to start with a novel. Um, I mean, really, in a way, the reason I've been doing film all these years is to find something to do with my degree, which was in literature, and um, with the fact that books are kind of the most important thing to me. Um, It, uh, you know, I've adapted a a lot of books, and of course, uh, every book must be turned into a movie by law now, especially (laughs) YA. So, to me, it's not. I mean, it's certainly not a step down or sideways or even necessarily up. It's just kind of the the, the stuff that I've been thinking about for, for a long time. Now, you were, I
0: believe, uh, born in New York City. Uh, Is there a certain amount of perverse pleasure to be had from sort of corrupting and destroying uh, landmarks like Grand Central Terminal or the New York Public Library?
1: Well, everybody loves to destroy uh, New York, uh, in the movies especially, but also, uh, you know, by the waters of Babylon being kind of one of the first um, in in, uh, sort of post-apocalyptic fiction in general, probably because it's kind of considered, I guess, the world city um, in popular culture. Um, I mean, I, I think, although I do enjoy sort of, uh, uh bashing New York around a bit, actually for me, I, it was a chance to kind of visit these locations that I loved and, uh, and do strange things to them that, you know, New York public library, I think is, 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 one of my favorite places in the world. Um, and, uh, that I've turned it into a strange, kind of haunted, cultish uh, place. It was just me having fun with with these locales that I love. And uh, same with, with Grand Central, which I love and have since since I was a kid. So it's fun to imagine characters into this setting. And I suppose looking ahead to the possibility of a film, um, if it's possible at all to shoot in these locations, I actually had I been thinking about a movie in the first place, I might not have chosen such expensive locations. Um, it, it's kind of fun to imagine the visuals of that. Mm-hmm.
0: Now, as I'm sure you're aware, there's, there's a good amount of post-apocalyptic fiction out there for teenagers these yeah. days. Um, but a lot of it is set long after these sort of horrible world altering events have taken place. Uh, the kids in your book, they know and remember firsthand exactly who and what
1: they've lost. Yeah, that, that was crucial to me. I mean, I think, I think, that um, dystopian uh, futures and dystopian fiction is all very well but um, i'm i 'm sort of interested in it as a vehicle in in the post apocalyptic as a vehicle for examining how we live now, so these kids in the book are very conscious of what they 've lost, perhaps less conscious of what they might have gained, in that you know I think um, that the culture that kids grow up in today is so much a part of them that they forget the degree to which they've taken things on wholesale, which are not necessarily, you know, social benefits. Um, so d- to me, yeah, it was interesting to kind of have the, the sort of primitive fun of uh, Lord of the Flies, but also to uh, examine just from two years past what kind of world we're living in now. Along those lines, uh, certainly beyond the hook of the premise,
0: there's, there's a lot of social commentary in the novel involving race and class, uh, sex and sexuality. Uh, it's sort mm. of like, you know, the world, the world as we knew it is over, but let's not forget that things weren't uh, quite so perfect either. Um, is that sort of where the, the title of the book maybe comes into play for you? It was sort of a fresh start amid the, the carnage?
1: Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, it's in contrast to the old world, I suppose. And, and the, the natural uh, opposite would be the new world, but it's not exactly new. Hmm. Um. <laughs> So it's, it's a somewhat ambivalent title. Um, and I think, yeah, if, if, there's, if I can find any fault with the huge amounts of post-apocalyptic and dystopian literature that's out now, it's that they tend to shy away from issues of class and race and, um, and culture. Maybe class is something that's occasionally addressed, but it's done in— I mean, for instance, I can think of— um, the uh, Katniss Everdeen one. Um, mm-hmm. Games. Uh, oh my God, Hunger Games! There we are. Uh, kind of deals with class, but in in uh, in some of it a distant fashion, uh, as far as I'm concerned. And the possibility of maybe looking at the way we live now and possibly reshaping it is a really intriguing notion to me.
0: Uh, did you think a lot about how exactly the world would sort of begin to break down physically and, and what things instantly become important and what things instantly become useless, like iPhone cases?
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hurricane Sandy hit during the time that I was writing, and, and I'd actually lived through a uh, a blackout in, in New York as well. And the moment that um, the electricity goes, all kinds of things start to go wrong. You know, of course, you... you You lose uh, computers and the internet. You lose most food refrigeration. And you lose so many of the things that we take for granted uh, as kind of the underpinning of how we live our lives and how we actually get along with one another. Uh, But we don't think about it very much. We don't think about how in, say, Manhattan, uh, all of the food is brought in from from elsewhere. And if you think about the water going down, uh, the sanitation system going down, all of the things that... I mean, to me, I've always thought... Say what you like, but one of the the greatest things that props up civilization is flush toilets. I mean, w- without that, without that sense that um, that things are coming in, things are going out, and you're and the environment isn't totally toxic, you, you don't have much to go on. Uh, so the notion was, well, when everything just stops dead in New York, how are people going to behave? And I think you know the answer traditionally has been they'll behave like savages, which is sort of what our Required reading of Lord of the Flies uh, tells us i 'm not sure I agree one hundred percent. I think it would depend upon the kind of social structures that people have in place in the beginning, for instance, when um, about uh, a decade ago when the lights went out in New York, um, people were actually really decent to one another but uh, in the 70s, when the same thing happened, chaos uh, kind of set in in some places. So to me, it was thinking well, if all of our comforts uh, disappear, how well are we going to manage to get along with each other?
0: And now, uh, you know, there's several very interesting, um, personable characters at, th- at the heart of this story. Um, how did you arrive at the sort of dual narrator structure, and why those two uh, particular characters, uh,
1: Jefferson and Donna? Well, I sort of wanted to invert the. Uh, traditional YA uh, love triangle of two guys, two very cute guys going after one girl, uh, and have it be uh, two girls and one guy eventually. But in terms of the, the sort of the two main voices, uh, I, I wanted to, uh, in as much as I could, kind of put myself into the mind. Of a, of a teenage girl and so to have uh, not only a male uh, narrator but a female narrator and to make them quite distinct usually uh, i think in popular culture guys are kind of bros and uh and girls are the more responsible and and, and thoughtful ones i wanted to reverse that in as much as uh jefferson the the Male character is, is kind of a nerd. He's, he's a very serious sort of guy, um, perhaps too serious for his own good. And Donna is much more of a, of a tearaway and, and free spirit. And the sort of contrast between them, to me, has to do with whether you want to uh, be nostalgic about the past and just have fun or whether you want to think about, think about the future and uh, building something better. That's kind of what they represent.
0: Now, you've worked with your uh, your own brother a good amount professionally. Uh, did uh-huh. you bring any of your, your own relationship to the one between uh, Jefferson and his older brother, Wash, in the book?
1: Well, since Wash gets killed off pretty early, I, <laughs> I was worried of what my brother would think of that. He, he liked the book, so uh, he, he didn't uh, take it to heart. I mean, I think, I think I grew up really idolizing my brother and wanting to... To follow kind of his his lead, and so coming out from under his shadow was was a big part of my life. But fortunately, uh, he survived that, and um, and we're best friends. We we get along incredibly well. Yeah, the part of the boy in in the book is really uh, somebody kind of coming into his own, uh, having been somewhat passive um, in in his life, um, and he has a very kind of domineering older brother, um, who's a leader type, uh, and who, who is kind of out of the picture fairly, fairly early on. And so he has to, um, has to find himself.
0: You'd mentioned earlier about, you know, wanting to find a way to use your degree in some way, but, uh, movies and the film industry definitely seem to be a a longstanding part of your family was Mm -hmm. working in film, something that you always knew you thought you might do, or at least was, was an option that was on the table
1: you know i wasn 't one of these kids who was making movies from the age of ten um, or anything like that. First of all, sort of the the equipment uh, that that we have now in terms of being able to make your own movies and put them up on YouTube and that sort of thing just wasn 't around for me um, but second of all, no, I was kind of just a, a dreamy sort of kid who liked reading books, and if it weren 't for my brother being a playwright, and saying, hey, do you want to uh, try writing a screenplay together when I was about 20? I don't think I would be doing this, and I, I'm not even sure I would be gainfully employed. So probably if you'd asked me at around the age of uh, the people who are going to be reading this book, first of all, um, I would have said, well, I'm, I'm going try, try to be, uh, try to write books. But it took me a long way to, to get to it
0: and have have you found that your um your background uh screenwriting and doing screenplays translates
1: uh pretty easily to novel writing to a degree it does i mean obviously uh dialogue is a, an important uh part of of the novel however, there are so many things that a screenwriter leaves to other professionals um cinematographers production designers uh uh, actors, <laughs> um, that, um, that you realize when writing a novel coming from, from the world of writing screenplays uh, just how much uh, heavy lifting there, there is to do. Um, having to uh, describe uh, nuances of thought and um, landscape and uh, people's surroundings, uh, it, it's actually immeasurably more difficult, I would say. And
0: uh, will you be then adapting
1: this novel into a screenplay? This is the plan. Um, I mean, it's what it's what I'm doing at the moment, and I'm having uh, a lot of fun with it. I mean, the, the difficulty with adapting a uh, screenplay from a book uh, always is um, is that you have to condense uh, to such a great degree, and so that's that's you know, ha- having adapted um, Nick Hornby and and Philip Pullman in the past, um, you know, writers whose work I really love. It's always difficult to figure out how to. Uh, how to bring it to the screen without damaging the quality uh, of the original. Interestingly, I'm finding that I'm less precious uh, regarding my own stuff than I am regarding other people's stuff, because I know I made it all up. So I'm I'm finding it easy to throw some things out.
0: (laughs) The creative license is yours, (laughs) even more so. Now, out of curiosity, on a completely different topic, having uh, directed uh, New Moon, uh, what, what was it like interacting with and being exposed to the Twilight fandom and all of its kind of massive
1: breadth? Well, it was um, a lot of fun for me. I mean, I didn't really know when I took the job just how extensive and numerous the fandom was. Uh, I think it it ended up being good because I think in general uh, the the fans of, of the books thought that I had done justice to it uh, on screen, which was something I was really, really conscious of. And the great thing, I think, about um, fans of books and... Uh, maybe especially about fans of Stephanie Myers stuff, or maybe it's just young, young adult readers in general, is the tremendous enthusiasm that they bring. I think that people want to see you succeed um, as opposed to um, waiting for you to trip up, which I think can happen in the world of, for instance, fantasy and science fiction fandom. I, I think there, there is less, a lot less trolling and flaming than there is uh, in, in other uh, genres of literature. Now, this is uh, the first book in a
0: a trilogy, as I understand it. Um, Do you pretty much have a sense of where it's all headed? Had you
1: mapped out sort of the arc of things uh, from the very beginning? I do have things mapped out, but I find, weirdly, that things sometimes change in midstream, um, which is not to be sort of – I mean, characters end up sort of doing and saying things that you hadn't quite expected. That's not to try to sound spooky at all. It's really obviously just the way that – one's own kind of narrative instinct is working. But um, along the way, things don't necessarily work out precisely the way that you think they're going to, which is part of the fun, I suppose. But yeah, I do, I do, uh, I do feel like I, I know where it's going. And um, I mean, it take, it's, takes a sort of a surprising turn and it all things get kind of political as well, hmm. uh, which is not clearly exactly catnip for young adult readers necessarily. I mean, I, I, I know that it's in, in many ways it's about the relationships um, and the kind of plot twists. But I do like the idea that I'm thinking about and discussing uh, some serious uh, issues as well. Now, maybe it's uh, too soon to ask this, but do you think you'll
0: want to do more novels down the road beyond uh, beyond this series?
1: You know, I can get to the stage where um, writing is not getting blood from a stone, absolutely. I mean, I, right now, it, it's somewhat tortuous uh, getting, getting things to, to, to where I want them to be. Um, but yeah, I, I could see myself uh, c- continuing. Mm.
0: And uh, on the film side, are there any projects that you're working on as well?
1: Um, well, let me see. I wrote a uh, live action of Cinderella. For Disney, which is um, coming out in 2015, and that's about it. Other than, exa- than adapting, um, adapting this book, which I'm I'm doing at the moment. Excellent.
0: Well, uh, congratulations again on the new book, and thank you for speaking with me. Thank you very much. Once again, I've been speaking with writer and director Chris Weitz, whose first novel is *The Young World*, out in July from Little Brown. Thank you for listening to PW KidsCast.